Hello out there. We're on the air. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Bitcoin Journey. Actionable and logical discussion for Bitcoiners and for future Bitcoiners. Might be a scrambly show today, but that's okay. We're back. We're back in Canada. Might give you a little glimpse of the sky out here today. It's very, very pink and very orange and getting more pink. Okay. <laughs> so we got back from Mexico yesterday. I don't know. We got home last night anyways. So it was a very long week, about eight, eight or nine days total with travel. Made her home last night. Got pretty lucky actually. Usually when you get back to the prairies in January, it's minus 40 and covered in snow, but yesterday was like two degrees here and hardly any snow. So pretty fortunate. I'm a little bit bushy today. Didn't have, didn't have a chance to shave, but here we are. We're here for another morning. I titled this episode Bitcoin Inheritance Planning. I do want to touch on that. It's not going to be the whole part of the show, um, but that's going to be the focus, I think, today. And it kind of ties into the trip a little bit. Uh, but Mexico was was pretty good. It was very nice to get away. It was my first time in Mexico for five, no, more than that, probably seven or eight years. So it was nice to be back there. I love Mexico. It has a very distinct smell, very distinct feel there. I can still kind of smell it on me after washing clothes and after showering a couple times. Um, but not much has changed there. It seems like the country's getting a little bit worse, which is sad. Because Mexico is, it's a country that should be a lot more abundant and wealthy than it is. I think they've been very suppressed there for many years. Uh, I believe that Mexico is actually the number one exporter of silver. I could be wrong there, but I believe they're the number one exporter of silver. And silver to me is the most valuable commodity out there aside from from Bitcoin, um, but it's the price of silver has been suppressed for so long. And the reason for that is because they need to, it affects, it ties into the dollar. Everything ties in together. And this is no different. They need to keep the price of silver very low to keep the attention on the dollar. Because if all of a sudden gold and silver and everything started ripping, there'd be a lot of trouble in the banks, but also it would, people would see it more in terms of the actual value of our paper currency, our fiat dollar system. And so I think that the price of silver has been suppressed for decades now. And Mexico is probably the country that's paying most from that. The U.S. itself suppresses and extorts a lot of countries. And it's pretty sad to see uh, just what's happening in Mexico because they should be a lot more. They don't even have drink, clean drinking water there. Like, for the first couple of days, I was brushing my teeth with the water there and didn't even really think twice about it. But then people were starting to kind of have issues with their stomach with, you know, the lettuce being washed in the water. So I switched to the bottled water. So I don't know. I just feel like a country that's right below the U.S., borders the U.S., should have a lot, should be a lot more abundant, should have access to clean drinking water, especially on the resorts where, you know, people are coming from all around the world to, to visit. But 
anyways, outside of that, it does seem like the the Mexican economy itself is continuing to deteriorate along with every country. Cuba is no different. Cuba is probably even worse than Mexico um, in terms of where they're going. But anyways, let's get to the metrics. I've been chatting long enough here. Good morning, everybody in the chat. Adam's in the house. Johnny's in the house. James Bond was early in the house this morning. We are back. It's good to be back. As much as it is, uh, as much as it's nice to get away, there's absolutely no better feeling than than coming home, sleeping in your own bed, and just the feeling of walking into your house. Okay, let's get to uh, the metrics here. Been dicking around long enough. If I still remember how to do this stuff, it's been a while. I'm pretty. I feel pretty rusty this morning. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Lots of tequila, way too much tequila. I didn't realize how much uh, I forget when I'm on tequila. Uh, lots of places in Canada without clean drinking water. Lived in a town with where bath water was like apple juice. Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, I don't, we don't have water that we can drink here. There's, there's a well, so we don't drink the water here either. But that's kind of rural. You kind of expect that. And, you know, you're probably right. In terms of a first world country like Canada, there should be no, at this point in the game, there shouldn't be any communities in Canada without clean drinking water or internet, in my opinion. It's kind of crazy. You can still drive on so many highways here in Manitoba and have dead spots with with uh, with service. I think that'll change, though, over time especially with Starlink. Starlink's very early. I think it is going to change how everything works in terms of the internet. And we're just at the very, very early stages of all this kind of stuff. So the mempool today, we are currently at block height 828116. So it's been about 2,000 blocks since the last show here. If you're transacting on layer one, it's been about the same for the last couple of weeks. This is a pretty reasonable amount, I would say, of, of transaction fees to be paying. If you have to be moving Bitcoin right now, which is about 35 sats per V-byte. I did see that while I was gone, it dropped a little bit into the 20s, which is good. I moved a little bit when we got back last night that I had to move for a good for a good rate, I would say. Uh, what else we got here? Metrics. Oh, I did the wrong thing here. Screen share. Jinx myself. Still pretty tired. I woke up fairly early every day in Mexico just to kind of stay in the routine. But it's hard. Our flight was six hours from <clears throat> Cancun to Calgary. That's a long time in the air. The lady beside us didn't move one time on the plane. I couldn't imagine doing that. That is not me at all. I'm moving every, every hour of the trip. Okay, here we are. 2024 price today, January the 30th. Sitting at a, about 43,000 bucks. So we saw a fairly significant jump up last night. Kind of while I was gone, we dipped down into the 30s. I saw it went down to 39,000 bucks, but we're back uh, at 43,000 US. One year ago today, you could have purchased a Bitcoin for 22,712 US dollars. And four years ago today, you could have purchased one Bitcoin for 9,518 USD. 
Moscow time today. Twenty for one U.S. dollar, that will get you twenty-three hundred and nine satoshis. Here in Canada, the price of Bitcoin is fifty-eight thousand one hundred seventeen CAD monopoly monies. And the Moose Jaw time, which is the Canadian equivalent of Moscow time, one Canadian dollar will get you seventeen hundred and twenty-one sats. Happy Taco Tuesday! I missed that part of the comment. Thanks, Johnny. Didn't have too many tacos, to be to be honest with you. The last night we went to uh, a la carte, I think they're called the Mexican one, and I had some some tacos there. Food was actually pretty good. I I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about my experience there, but we got more important things to talk about. Good morning, Rick. Good to see you too. And I'm glad to be back as well. It's very nice, like I said, coming home to uh, about two degrees instead of minus 40. There's absolutely nothing worse than spending a week in a hot location like Mexico and having to fly into a city like Winnipeg or Regina and start your car, uh, what do you call it? brush off the snow and sit, sit there in the cold for minus 40 while your car warms up. Nothing worse than that. So we got to avoid that this time around, which is nice. Okay. So we got a couple things to talk about, as I mentioned today. First one, I just want to share a quote. And I, I listened to a couple podcasts from Jeff Booth again. I don't know if they were reruns or new ones, but I just love listening to Jeff Booth. If you have a chance, just spend some time listening to his theory about how everything's going to fall in relation to Bitcoin and start actually making it real. So look at your price of your house when you bought it versus what it's worth now and compare the Bitcoin prices as well in terms of um, even though the dollar value has gone up, the, the value or the price in Bitcoin has actually gone down. And so familiarize yourself with the theory because I think it is very important to not only understand but start thinking that way because the be the more you can understand and kind of put yourself into that world i think the better decisions that you'll make now so this was a quote i think it was from a, a clip i saw from him but he said if you don't hold bitcoin your prices are going up if you denominate in bitcoin all prices are coming down forever so that's his theory on everything is that if you're if you're holding the majority of your time, energy, wealth in dollars, everything is going to continue to go up in price. And we've seen that. It's impossible for anybody to argue that right now. But if you denominate in Bitcoin instead and focus on that, then all prices of everything are going to come down forever. That's just how it's built. That's what it was designed to do. Everything's by design. And so I thought that was an interesting way to start the week and give a shout out to Jeff Booth just for all the incredible work he's doing. I saw that his company Ego Death, I believe, Ego Death Capital, raised 100 million bucks Series A funding. So they're going to be investing in Bitcoin. And that's another reason, aside from the a thousand other reasons why I think Bitcoin's going to be so successful and why it's going to decouple from everything else, every other cryptocurrency is because nobody's setting up venture capital funds around Solana or Ethereum or any other coin. All the capital is flowing into Bitcoin 
And that's going to really, the investment in that alone is going to strengthen it and increase the value of it. And over time, Bitcoin is just going to continue breaking apart from all these other cryptocurrencies, I believe. So there's your goal for today, Tuesday. If you have, if you have any other holdings, I've been trading some of mine in. And I don't, I don't like giving advice. I mean, I guess this whole show is kind of not really advice, but just discussion. But I've been trading some of my older stuff that I had because I got into cryptos first. I didn't start with Bitcoin. Not many people do. But I got into cryptos and I have been slowly starting to trade those in for Bitcoin. And more so lately, just with everything happening, the halving coming up. And I think that it's a pretty good idea, even though you might actually see a loss in terms of the price that you paid for whatever crypto you're holding. So say you bought Ethereum at 2,500 bucks and it's still at 2000 bucks. So you're waiting to sell it until it gets to 25. So you can break even in fiat terms. But if you look at the price, the graph comparison between Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's just like this down and down and down. So the longer you wait to actually exchange those for Bitcoin, the less Bitcoin that you're going to end up with. Full solar recharge. Amen to that. I thought I was more tan than I am. I look pretty, pretty pale still, but I did get a, I, I thought I get a good tan. I don't know how long it'll last here. It's pretty dry, but the, the, the sun, the vitamin D went for a, a walk on the beach every morning. So I definitely am recharged and I got like 10 pages of stuff that I want to talk about over these next couple months. So that's why this show is going to be a little bit scrambly because I'm kind of cherry picking a few different things. Um, but lots of good stuff. People, <laughs> the people around me were sleeping on the plane for our six hour ride. And I don't sleep on cars, planes, trains. So I was just writing about six hours, I, I got about 10 pages worth of stuff going on. So we got that going. But uh, the next part here, I want to show a video. So I'll set that up while I'm kind of talking here. Uh, but the reason I want to show this video is because I, I do think that what's happening in Bitcoin mining. Oh, I'll remove this for a second. What I do think is happening in Bitcoin mining is massive. And I, I don't really want to spend a whole show on it because I think that if you're somebody who's just getting into Bitcoin, it's going to be very hard to kind of understand that. And I think that you can you can only talk about it for so long without losing people. So what I want to start doing is every time I see a clip like this, whether it's in the US, Canada, Mexico, Argentina, I just want to share the clip so we don't have to spend the whole show talking about it, but I do think it's very relevant and, you know, just take things slow. So we're, we're going to watch this clip and we can talk about it after. The clip is only two minutes long and hopefully the audio works. I'm not going to, I wouldn't bet on it. So let me know if you can't hear it, I guess, or if you can. I'll mute myself and we'll get this fired up. Welcome back. The newest mine in Sandersville has nothing to do with mining at all, but the Bitcoin mine is definitely making an impact on the city's economy. Last year, we took you inside the high-tech facility and now it's expanding. And Anthony Montato got a tour today. He joins us in studio with a look inside. 
You guys, the facility is truly massive. Take a look at this. That's just the power station. In fact, like I said, it even has its own power substation just to help manage the 250 megawatt power output. That's about 10 times what it takes to power the entire city. There were some trees in a dirt field, right? It's come a long way and moving really quick. Fast forward two months and a sprawling tract of land is turning into a sprawling Bitcoin mine. We're halfway, you know, up the hill right here with uh, six buildings coming up. Each one as long as the Titanic, all of them housing computers just like this that crunch numbers all day to create Bitcoin. Think of cash for a digital age. That's what Bitcoin does. Um, so Bitcoin, unlike some of these other cryptocurrencies that have a CEO, there's no CEO of Bitcoin. CleanSpark Chief Communications Officer Isaac Holyoke says that's why the company's posted record profits. He says more people are buying in and they need to help meet the demand. So they're expanding their Sandersville facility to become the company's flagship. There is more energy in Georgia than there is use for that energy. Sandersville City Administrator Judy McCorkle says that creates an advantage for them. Since the city manages its own electric company, it reduces bills for everyone else. Homeowners could see the benefits on their property tax bill. At some point, I could see that property tax being rolled back to almost nothing, almost zero percent. And that's huge for us. CleanSpark site manager Bo Ginn says those effects will be even stronger after they expand. We're sending over six figures back to the city each month. And, you know, that's going to be very significant uh, coming on post-expansion. He estimates they'll pay $500,000 a month in taxes alone. That's about $6 million a year. That money is money that the city wouldn't be getting. You know, it's going to schools, to roads, to the other community infrastructure that, uh, you know, may have been neglected for a while. Now, McCorkle told me they're considering building a hotel for when that new facility is finally up and running. Back to you. Thanks, Anthony. Clean Spark says they hope to have the facility up and running in the next few months. Almost nailed it there. Okay, so that was in Georgia. That's a small town in Georgia. And uh, there's a couple things I wanted to point out there. First of all, each one of those was the size of the Titanic, each Titanic, six of them. So they got massive things there. The, the other thing I wanted to say is that they're producing 10 times as much power as they need. And for, for towns, for communities like that who have access to these natural resources and have the ability to produce that energy in our current system, that would either be stranded or they'd have to find a buyer for it. That's what would happen. And so with a lot of energy, it can only travel so far. And I'm definitely not an energy expert, but since learning about Bitcoin and since going down this whole path here, this whole journey, I'm just so fascinated with the energy aspect of Bitcoin. So what the town's going to do is they're going to subsidize their property taxes with that Bitcoin miner. So instead of the people having to pay property taxes to fund the roads, the schools, all the blah, blah, blah that everybody wants to talk about how our where our tax money is going to. And I do think that for smaller communities, rural communities, and even cities, that money is being put to fairly good use. I would argue our federal government, the exact opposite of that. But in terms of communities, that stuff actually is going to making your community better, the property taxes. And so if you can subsidize that with natural resources that are already there, just not being utilized, and instead of having us, the citizens, have to pay for those property taxes, the Bitcoin mining does that. 
And if you can find a way to, especially at a time like this, where, as we talked about, the prices of everything are going up, including property taxes, because what those property taxes pay for, those costs are going up. So everything increases. So if you can find a way to minimize that and make people's lives better by having to pay less every month and every every year to property taxes, I think that's going to be a huge net positive for the community and for the people there. But that's just on the community level. As we move forward here, as Bitcoin continues to grow and as countries start to realize the power of that, I think we're actually going to see that in terms of income taxes. So it's going to start at a very local level in terms of property tax rebates, but it's going to go to a national level in terms of income tax rates. Because if, if the country itself can figure out a way to mine Bitcoin and instead of having to tax its citizens for their funding themselves, then taxes should go down. I mean, this would never happen in our current administration, but I think that in five, 10 years from now, when we have some adults in the room and we have some, a better idea of the power of this Bitcoin mining and what it can do, I do think that it will eliminate or at least reduce off the start income taxes. And that's kind of the idea for El Salvador. That's what Bukele wants to do there is he wants to use the volcano there the natural volcanic energy to mine Bitcoin. And instead of his, his citizens paying taxes, use that Bitcoin miner to fund the government. We didn't have that before. Even in El Salvador, you couldn't do anything with that energy because it's more power than El Salvador needs. So they would have to sell that energy to other countries and it has to travel. Energy has to travel. And by the time it got there, it's, basically stranded energy. So they had no use for these volcanoes and these natural resources. But now with the miners, they can essentially turn those natural resources directly into money. So you, they mine Bitcoin, they can sell that Bitcoin directly to anybody on earth for cash and fund their countries, their communities. Great to see it's happening in small towns in America. There's a lot of great things happening in America right now. As much as, you know, we feel the prices, we feel different things. There's all these talks on the news about what's happening. There's a ton of really good things happening in America in terms of Bitcoin mining. The U.S. is the number one Bitcoin mining country right now. And I expect that to continue. But also, like, if you look at what's happening in Texas, and I'm not going to go too far into it because I don't know the whole story here, but you're starting to see these states giving a big middle finger to the federal government. And I think that the more that happens, the better off Bitcoin will do because the states can start competing themselves, which is what the United States was designed to be before we got into this post-constitution world that we're living in right now. So that's happening in America, which is awesome. It's going to be happening in Africa. It's happening in El Salvador. And Canada is actually the third largest third or fourth largest mining company for Bitcoin. Which to me as a Canadian is very promising and very hopeful to see because everybody knows what's happening in our clown show government right now. But aside from that, Canada actually doesn't have any gold in reserves. And so at least with the US, they have some gold apparently. We don't know for sure. Never been audited. But 
we know in Canada that there's zero gold. So what is exactly backing our currency right now? And so if you think like that at any time, who knows what could happen with our currency, but we do have the resources and we do now have companies and infrastructure investment coming into Canada for Bitcoin mining. So that's very good to see. And there's going to be more and more stories popping up like that in the coming years. And the last part I wanted to say on that, and I don't know if there's any people who watch the show in Manitoba or not, but there was a very small community and I wasn't going to say, but I think I will because so we can look back on this one day. So the last couple of years, there's been a, a small town here in Manitoba, very close to this area. Not very, but fairly close. And the, the community is called Bertle. And they had this infrastructure in place. They had everything coming in. They were going to have this Bitcoin miner set up in Bertle. But I, from what I understand of it, and this is not confirmed, this is just what I've heard about it. But the citizens of this community called Bertle basically said that we don't want this Bitcoin mining. It's all bullshit it's a ponzi scheme it's going to be bad for the environment here it's going to be very loud for the town so they kiboshed it they had this investment coming in to set up a bitcoin miner in a small town here and they the citizens i believe said no and i think that we're going to look back here in decades the problem with that is the the rms the people within these smaller communities they don't think too far ahead. They think about their term, the issues that are popping up in the town right now. Like it is a much different um, setup and different mentality, I think. There's no real long-term planning here. It's like, do we have to plow this road or do we not? Do we have to close down this playground or do we not? There's no real future thinking happening in, in smaller towns around here anyways yeah that was a wild like it would have been miles out of the town miles out of the town and don't get me wrong like these things do absolutely hum but there's no way that people in the community would have had any sort of impact from this it's not like they were building it in town hall it was miles out of town but just because there's been so many negative things said about bitcoin for the last 15 years and people I'm sure who are saying no to this have not spent more than five minutes actually learning about Bitcoin, not only the money, not only the network, but the energy aspect of it. And I do think that there's going to come a day in the future where they're going to look back and just think of what could have been in that small town in Manitoba. And not only for the property taxes in the meantime, but if you think about, you know, instead of five years down the road, think about 50 years down the road. The, the towns and the communities who get into this right now are going to have such a huge advantage over everybody else in that area who is too ignorant to ignore it. So I do think that we're going to see that continue to pop up. I would love for some communities around here to get into that. We have so much hydro energy here in Manitoba. I think it's only a matter of time, but the cool thing is we'll get to live through it. So shout out to Bertle. Like I said, I don't know if that's the whole story there, there might've been more issues in terms of maybe the, the miners couldn't get enough funding for it. But from what I did hear is that they said no to it. They voted against it because it was going to be too loud.
you know the old saying, have fun staying where you are. We'll say that. Okay, the last part here. And this is what the, the show is titled after, which is inheritance, Bitcoin inheritance planning. And the reason that this came up, and we're not going to dive too far into it. We're already half an hour in here. I do want to have more shows on this. This is going to be part of my course that I'm working on right now in terms of inheritance stuff. This is a very important aspect of Bitcoin because it's much different than our current system. If you hold assets in stocks with the bank, in real estate, there's already roads built in terms of how to transfer that to your loved one, your loved ones after you die. And it's kind of a shitty uh, conversation to have. Nobody loves talking about this. But the people who do this kind of stuff do very well because of that reason. Nobody likes talking about death. But the reason why I wanted to talk about this today is because whenever I'm on an airplane and I might be an, an anomaly, I don't think that I am. But every time I'm on an airplane, I think the worst case could happen. Not the whole time, obviously, but it does cross your mind. And then I started thinking about what would happen to my Bitcoin if something happened. And not only for my family, but, you know, I, I just started thinking about what the what it would actually look like if that happened and would they be able to recover my Bitcoin or not. And so I really just wanted to, to talk through it. I wanted to kind of give everybody watching now, watching later, homework, I guess you'd say, or something that you can do, I think, that'll give you a better peace of mind at night. And that's the key. With security, with inheritance stuff, you just want to be able to know that whatever energy you put into your life is going to live on, hopefully. And some people don't want that. Some people want the Bitcoin to die with them because they don't think that they're kids deserve it or whatever that looks like to them. But I don't think that that's a, a small percentage of people. So what I would say to anybody out there listening, and this is kind of for people with significant holdings in Bitcoin, but even if you don't, always consider what your Bitcoin could be worth in 10 or 20 years from now. Don't look at the, the price right now. The price of Bitcoin right now is completely irrelevant. It's being valued in a system that's it's dying more and more every single day. The debt's going up. The money printer's going up. It's it, There's no coming down from it right now. So don't ever spend too much time focusing on the actual price of Bitcoin in terms of dollar value. But think about what it could be worth. And so what I would say is I got three, three things here for you to do. And this is kind of for people with a decent amount of Bitcoin. So start with a one-page document. Just take a piece of paper. Write down steps that if something were to happen to you tomorrow, what they could do to restore your Bitcoin. And if it's going to be more than one page, then don't bother with it. And that's kind of on you. You you should make it simple enough. You should make your security uh, setup simple enough that somebody who's unfamiliar with Bitcoin could look at it in one page and figure out what to do. If it's going to take you 10 pages, nobody's going to do it. And it's going to be an absolute nightmare for people having to deal with the loss of you, plus having to go down this wild goose hunt for your Bitcoin. So start with one page, keep it very simple. And one thing I was kind of thinking here is like, if you don't have, if you don't want to write it on a piece of paper, if you don't want to have to try to explain it all, just say, this is where 
the the 12 word phrases this is where the 12 words are this is what you need and this is who you should call to help you with it make sure that's somebody you trust because the flip side of that is that they're going to see this they're going to have their 12 words it's going to be completely unfamiliar to them and they're going to go on google they're going to go on the internet and they're going to type in how to restore bitcoin and who knows what they're going to come up with they might find some very bad actors who do not have their interest in mind and then all of a sudden they're going to get your bitcoin not your family but the people who your family tried to get help from so find somebody in your life there's got to be at least one person that you know that would know bitcoin well enough to help them restore that help them get access to that bitcoin and help them move that to a different wallet kind of on their own terms and that's very important and if you don't have anybody honestly if you don't have anybody and i'm not telling you to do this but if you know you trust me enough to for them to hire me to do it i can help them through it without a doubt um like i said everything re requires trust if there's somebody in your life who you trust more but there's going to be people whether it's lawyers, whether it's specific inheritance planning for Bitcoin, there's going to be people that offer these services in the next in the coming years. So just make sure that you have that written down, where to look, who to call. And if you can simplify it better than that without having somebody else involved, that's even better. But I don't think that a lot of people can. And, and the first thing is just to get it done. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just have something down on a one page document for them. And keep that in a safe place too, because if somebody were to come across that, they would be able to find your Bitcoin in a, round, a roundabout way. Do not include your 12 words on that page. Make sure that's completely separate from this, but just give them instructions on in terms of where to look. If you need help, where to look for that. Just to avoid the whole Googling and running into very bad people on the internet. Yes, exactly. This is, and this should be kind of included in your, th this should be, if nothing else, thanks for sharing this, Rick, actually, because this is a great point. Make sure that that one page document has one line that says, regardless of who you reach out to, regardless of who you seek help from, never, ever, ever give them access to those 12 words. All they're going to be looking for is how to do it. Not, you should never share those 12 words with anybody. Even if they're, even if you're trusting them to help you with it, you should never show them those 12 words because as soon as they have those 12 words, they have your Bitcoin. So I would write that down in caps, highlight it and say, regardless of who you're getting help from here, never give that person your 12 words. They should never have access to that. They can show you where to go. They can show you what to download. They can show you where to input those 12 words, but never, ever give them access to those 12 words. Great call, Rick. Thank you. And the next one here, number two. <clears throat> so start there. I think that that's kind of like the, the best way to start just to have something down. And start thinking about this. You can always adjust it if you need to. This is going to be a document that evolves. And do not overcomplicate it for them. Anyways, let's keep going here. 
The second thing here that you have to do is start preparing them, not only technically for it, but mentally. Because the last thing you want to do is have your Bitcoin be passed down to your kids, your brother, whoever it may be. And they have no idea what they're holding with Bitcoin. And this isn't something that you're going to just send them a video on. It's not something that you're going to do in a week. But for the next couple of years, for the next cycle, assuming you're going to be around for the next cycle, just start talking to them about it. Whoever the beneficiary is for your Bitcoin, make sure that they have a really good understanding of what they're holding in terms of Bitcoin. Because the last thing you want to do is for them to inherit this Bitcoin, instantly trade it for dollars and start buying dumb shit. And there's a lot of people, whether it's through gambling, through addiction, through whatever it is, whatever they need, desperation. You just don't want that to happen. And I think that even if you write it down, I think the most important thing you can do is kind of let them know that I have, you know, this asset here. It's going to be worth quite a bit of money. This is if you believe in Bitcoin and just kind of start over time, sending them some things, having conversations about it, figuring out what their pain points are and start having conversations over time. Don't overwhelm them with it, but they have to understand what they're holding. And the third one here, this is for, I would say, gradual past that a couple years down the road, but look into hiring a company like Unchained who does like multi-signature collaboration setups where they hold a key and a lawyer holds a key, whatever that is. But that's what I would look into the future is, is to get a multi-signature setup for your Bitcoin. And that means that if something were to happen to you, somebody else, whoever that third party custodian is, even though they can't actually move your Bitcoin, they can help your family with it. And I think that that's, that's probably going to be your best bet. I wouldn't rush into that. I think that the multi-signature setups are quite complex if you're just getting into Bitcoin. But over time, just start familiarizing yourself with the multi-signature setup, multi-signature setup, what that looks like, how it could look for you, and how it would benefit your family if something were to happen to you. Because as I said, if you hire company, uh, if you if you hire a company to do that for you, they hold one key, but with one key, they can't actually do anything with it. But if something were to happen to you, they would have the know-how, they would have the knowledge where to look. And your family could just reach out to them and say, how do I get this Bitcoin? And I think that that is the most important part. So you not only do you have the multi-signature while you're around as a second layer of, you're basically just eliminating the single point of failure in your Bitcoin security setup. So not only do you eliminate the single point of failure, but you also have a fallback for your family for them to help restore any amount of Bitcoin that you have. And that's kind of the final step here. That's where I would work towards. Don't do it today, but just start looking into it. I would say though, if you do have a significant amount of Bitcoin right now today, as a threshold, I would say if you have more than one Bitcoin, I would start looking around. And if you need my help with that too, I have a few different things I'm working on right now with uh, a law firm here. But I can also, in the meantime, depending on where you're at in the world, what country you're in, I can kind of help you with that. 
Um, but if you do have more than one Bitcoin, I would strongly look at a multi-signature setup. And I would also look at involving somebody like a lawyer or a third party to kind of manage that. Because the nice thing about lawyers is they do the wills. So they're going to have a copy of your will. And maybe on the second or third page of that will, you can have those Bitcoin instructions without putting your 12 words on there, but you can have the instructions in that will. So if you're worried about, you know, a rogue child finding that and then finding access to your Bitcoin, you could leave it with your lawyer just to make sure that the transition there is done properly. And there will be lawyers, I think, in the, in the coming years who really embrace this Bitcoin thing because this is going to be a huge problem for a lot of people is that they, you know, get far into this Bitcoin. The Bitcoin that they do have now is going to become very valuable. And if something were to happen to them, their family knows they have that. And these, these lawyers, these custody firms are going to be very busy, I think, in the coming years. So if you do have a significant amount, I would not wait five years to do it. I would say get started with it now and, and find companies who do it. Unchained is one in the US. I'm going to start offering something similar on a smaller, more old school scale. Uh, but that's what I would suggest with that. Just to give you some peace of mind. And you, you don't ever want to think that something's going to happen to you. But the reality is, whether it's on a plane, on the highway, anything could happen at any time. And you just don't, you want to be prepared for this kind of stuff instead of leaving that whole burden on your family. Even though you're blessing them with the Bitcoin, if they can't get that Bitcoin, I think it's going to be more of a, a shit show and a, and a real burden for them knowing what's there and they can't access. And, and if you're somebody who's in Bitcoin, if you've been doing this for a few years, a lot of this stuff is kind of second nature to you at this point. But think about where you were before that. Think about your very first week, your very first year in Bitcoin. You might think that you have a good idea of it, but when it comes down to it, there's so much to know. And, you know, even for me, who's been in this for four years now, every time I send a Bitcoin transaction, I triple check it. I something in the back of my mind is just like, oh, my God, what if, you know, what if something goes wrong here? And that's somebody who's been doing this for a long time. So imagine somebody who's just getting into it, has no idea what a public address is, what a 12 word private key is, none of that. And they all of a sudden come into this Bitcoin. What the hell are they going to do? So you just want to. First of all, obviously, focus on getting as much Bitcoin as you can, but you want to make sure that that Bitcoin lives on if you want to do. So that's something to consider. And I just wanted to make this kind of like a call to action for people, because this is not something that we think about on a day to day basis. But it is it is a reality and it is something that we need to prepare ourselves for technically and emotionally for our families, mentally and emotionally. So I think we'll leave it there today, unless there's uh, anything else on my list here, which there is not. So kind of a shorter one today. I shouldn't say short. When I started doing the show, I thought it was going to be like 10 or 15 minutes a day, go through a few things and then carry on with the day. But we're 43 minutes in here. James Bond is in the house. Good to see. I miss doing the shows. I I knew I wouldn't do one in Mexico. It was nice to just get up, 
early, watch the sunset or watch the sunrise, not set. And just be in Mexico. As much as I kind of wanted to do a couple shows while I was down there, I was watching things going on. I had some ideas, but you kind of just have to unplug yourself once in a while. So I'm back. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who's here today. Tomorrow's Wednesday, and then we got Thursday. So I did see while I was gone, a couple questions come in from different people. Every Thursday, we do our live Q&A. So you can either show up in the live chat and ask some questions, or you can send in an email beforehand, which to me is more helpful. I can prepare a little bit better for those. But I also do like the questions that are on the fly. I think it's a little bit more genuine that way. So you can either stop by in the chat on Thursday morning, or you can send in a question to 88sats, 88sats, just like the name of the channel, at proton.me. And maybe this week I would like to do kind of a focus on, ah, I shouldn't say that, but if you do have any questions surrounding the multi-signature setup or the inheritance stuff, let's let's talk about it this Thursday while it's kind of fresh in our minds. And if you if we want to go a little bit further into a few things, talk about the specifics of the multi-signature setup. Um, but as I said, I think that unless you're holding more than one Bitcoin right now, I don't think you should be overcomplicating your setup with multi-signature. Just just take these next few years, get as much Bitcoin as you can. Get your one-page document done. Once again, do not put your 12 words on that document and make sure that you put in all caps highlighted. No matter who helps you restore this Bitcoin, do not ever give them your 12 words. Do not ever share these 12 words with anybody. And if you have a passphrase, which I do recommend using if you're a little bit more advanced in Bitcoin, if you do have a passphrase, make sure they know how to connect that dot because you're not supposed to keep your passphrase with your private key. So that you're going to have your multi, your private key somewhere. You're going to have your passphrase somewhere else. Make sure that they can connect those dots as well. So get the one pager done. Start thinking about if something were to happen to you, where would you want your Bitcoin to go to? And start keeping those people in the loop. Start educating them on Bitcoin as best you can even if they're unwilling to it, I would say. Don't go out and start telling strangers about Bitcoin or coworkers about Bitcoin, but whoever is your direct beneficiary in your life, make sure that you do go out of your way to start educating them on Bitcoin so they know what they're holding when that day comes. Because otherwise it's gonna be all for, all for nada. It is a very important subject and it's something that nobody thinks about, nobody loves talking about. And I think that there's going to be an absolutely huge demand for people who are willing to do that. And I kind of mentioned it slightly, but I am working on something here that I think will be able to serve almost anywhere. But I, I still have to finalize a few things in terms of what the process is going to look like. But it's going to probably be available hopefully sometime this year where you can set up a multi-signature. You can set up a cold card to walk you through the whole thing. And the lawyer will actually hold on to one of those keys for you. And you'll have the full process of what it looks like. I just think that that's so desperately needed in this very unfamiliar and brand new industry. 
Because I think without that, there's going to be a ton of Bitcoin that are added to the list of Bitcoin that are gone forever. And then, so prepare your family mentally. And then the last part there is start looking into multi-signature setups. Start looking into, just learn about it. The more you can familiarize yourself with the process, how it all works, uh, when that time comes, when you're ready for that next step in terms of multi-signature and getting a, a lawyer or a third party involved, you're going to be much more equipped with asking questions, the process itself. And instead of them having to sit there and explain it to you, if you can do this now, I think that's going to be a huge benefit to you in the future. Right. And the whole idea with Bitcoin is as much as the media loves to paint it as this get rich quick scheme. I think that the, the true, the people who really understand Bitcoin know that it's the exact opposite of that. This is something that we're going to hold for 50, a hundred years. This is something that I believe is going to change people's lives and that change the direction of families into the future. You talk about generational wealth, but I think this is way more than that. I think the generational wealth part of Bitcoin is underselling it significantly. And so you want to be thinking about this stuff today while you're healthy, while you can, because you never know what's going to happen. Life is so short and anything can happen at any day in your life. So these are things to consider. I think that this is uh, something that people will start talking about more and more, but we want to get ahead of it as much as possible. And tying it back to the very first thing we we talked about here with the price, do not pay attention to what the price of Bitcoin is today. Even though we talk about it in the metrics, I think that's just a fun measuring stick because most of the world still lives in that world. But don't, don't um, put too much emphasis on the price of Bitcoin. It's I would say it's completely irrelevant at this point in time if you're going to be here for a while the price of bitcoin today is a complete joke so think about not today but think about what your bitcoin is going to be worth in the future and that's what you got to be focused on that's where you're building towards so we're going to leave it there for today i do want to say thank you once again to everybody for stopping by today if you have any questions send them into 88 sats at proton.me and Tuesdays are my least favorite day, but we got some steak tonight. We're back in Canada where all the cows are, and we got a nice steak being cooked tonight here at the house. So we got that to look forward to. Have yourselves the best Tuesday of your entire life, and we'll catch you right back here first thing tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Have a great day, best day of your life, and we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.